Thanks, Gil. I appreciate it. All right, thank you, sir. All right. You can go put your stuff down, Gil, but I'm going to need you to come back. Uh, I, need, uh, I need Gil. We're going to do a little illustration. Wasn't that, wasn't that great? I mean, those statistics sometimes are mind-numbing, but if we think about the impact that the Gideons have had over the years, it is truly remarkable. And it's all because of God's word going forth and local churches like us getting together, you know, giving a few bucks here, a few bucks there to get those Bibles out into the hands of the people, uh, you know, that need them, which is each one of us, right? Which is everybody. So thanks again, Gil. But Gil's going to come back up. I got a little illustration that I want to do today. Ryan, I talked to Ryan. I'm going to ask Ryan to come here and just line up in front of of the stage. Uh, Vince, I'm going to grab you. Zach, you can come. I'm just calling everybody out. Robert, hey, I saw Robert was here before. Robert, why don't you come on up here? Yeah, yeah, in front of the stage. There we go. There's Christy. Let's see. We got John. I think we got everybody here. All right. Don't look at it, but hold it like that. This is going to be really awesome. I'm going to give that one to you. I'm going to give that one to you. I think I got Will. One for Will. Okay. One for Zach. Okay, let's move down just a little bit. Two, four, six, eight. I need two more people. Anybody want to volunteer? Ah, You want to volunteer. Come on up. Come on up, Mike. I know Mike's volunteering. Great. Okay. I'm going to put you. Okay, so we got two, four, six, eight, ten. Perfect. Boom. There we go. All right. Okay, move down just a little bit more. One step. Oh, you guys take directions really well. This is really cool. All right, now I need to get my, my, my notepad so I don't mess this up. All right, so each one of these guys has a folder in front of them, right? And don't reveal yet. Don't reveal yet. No, no, this is, this, we can't reveal yet. So how many different ways do you think we can arrange these guys? A lot. Yeah, exactly. So if we just had two people here, right, we could arrange them two different ways, right? Because we could have Joy and Mike or we could have Mike and Joy, right? Now, if we had three people, if we add Will to the mix, there are six different combinations that we could have to line, to line them up, right? Um, but, and I said, how many ways do you think we can align 10 people up? A lot. Okay, go ahead and reveal your folders. Just flip it down. Okay, so there's a bunch of numbers on here, all right? So we could have these 10 people, there is 3.6 million different ways to align this group of people. That's a lot, isn't it? If we actually just had eight more people, which is just 18, it would actually be six quadrillion, quadrillion. Now, if you don't remember, I had to look this up. I'm like, okay, where does that fall? But you got million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, right? So if you just had 18, which is eight more than these 10, that's the many different combinations that it would take to have, have it be multiplied. So what is the percentage then of getting all these numbers in a row correctly? 6.6%. Excellent. We have a mathematician. It is astronomical to get all of these people in line, right? Because I said there's 3.6 million different combinations in order to, you could put these 10 people in and line them up. So, Think about this. It takes approximately 400 amino acids to make up one protein length in our bodies. 
Okay? I'm throwing a lot of numbers. Gil threw numbers at you. I'm throwing numbers at you as well. 400 amino acids. It takes approximately 60,000 proteins to make up one human cell. So now we're exponentially now multiplying again, right? And remember, I told 3.6 million different combinations. So if, and this is a big if, because this is what science tells us sometimes, if the earth is 4.5 billion years old, right? Um, But if we had 18 people here, there's 12 billion different combinations as well in order to get that all lined up. It's mathematically impossible for all of this to take place randomly. And that's what I'm getting at. If we see this illustration here of just these 10 people to get them all in line with 3 point million different combinations in order to do that, it's math- mathematically impossible for us to have evolved from goo. Isn't that amazing? Give it up to each one of these folks for helping us out. All right, I will take your folders. Thank you so much. And you thought you guys were going to have to say something or do something. All you had to do was stand there with a folder. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. So I know that uh, the last couple weeks we've been talking about origins. Oh, hey, before I get into the teaching, I have to give it up for the NFL. How many Packer fans do we have here? <laughs> how about the Falcons? Anybody like the Falcons? I, I'm hearing a couple. Okay, how about the Patriots? I know we have at least one Patriot fan. Okay, good. And how about the Steel Curtain? Any Steeler fans? One Steeler fan in the crowd. That is awesome. <laughs> But let's go back to the illustration real quick. That was an amazing statistics or amazing numbers that we talked about. I mean, mind-blowing numbers, right? So if we didn't evolve out of the goo that some people say, or from a family of apes, or from Lucy that you guys watched last week in that video that Jeff was here, the, the Lucy that uh, the video suggested, then where did we come from? Where did we come from? Well, here's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to see from the Bible that you are created Imago Deo. Imago Deo. If you don't have any, uh, that's a great graphic. Isn't that a great graphic? Give it up for that graphic. TJ does those graphics, wherever TJ is. That's awesome. So you are created Imago Deo. I want you to turn to your neighbor, left or right, and say that you are created Imago Deo. Go ahead. Okay. Now turn to the other side, to your other neighbor, and say, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Exactly. None of us know what that means. I didn't until I researched it. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk about Imago Deo today. I'm going to tell you three things. I'm going to tell you what Imago Deo is. I'm going to tell you how Imago Deo has been broken, and then we will talk about how Imago Deo is restored 
in our lives. But first, let's run to Genesis 1. We've been going back to Genesis, and if you remember last year, we did a devotion throughout the whole year, and nearing the end of the year is when we got into a lot of the Old Testament. Well, I mean, we kind of did it all the way through, but we really got into Genesis nearing the end of the year last year. And this is where it gave us the idea to talk about all this origin stuff. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. I'm reading out of the NLT for those of you that have a digital device. And also, there are uh, notes available online in the app. I know last week there was a problem, but this week we have notes uh, in the app if you want to follow along there, and you can email them to yourself, or there's notes back at the counter. So here we go. Genesis 126. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the, in the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth and on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Okay, you've probably heard that before. Now let's jump down to verse 31. Then God looked over all he had made, And he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, making the sixth day. So here, Genesis 1 gives us a broad view of the six days of creation. And then when we go into Genesis 2, what Genesis 2 does, it actually kind of zooms in and gives us the details on how exactly God went to create man and woman. So let's head there real quick. Genesis 2, 7 says this. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living being. Notice that the Bible doesn't say that about any other creature, about breathing the breath or the life of God into the being other than humans. That's a really cool thing to think about, is that God breathed his breath to create humans. God has his breath inside of you. We can extrapolate that all these years later and say that God's breath is in your lungs as well. That's really cool. Genesis 2.18 says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep into a deep sleep, And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And the man exclaimed, I couldn't do that. That is awesome, isn't it? (laughs) Man, it was great. I played that earlier, and John's like, man, I thought that was a woman until I looked around and saw the... He's got a great voice. That was from a British X Factor back in 2012. But we digress. 
So the man exclaimed at last, the one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Now, if this story doesn't make you feel special, well, then I, I don't know what will. Because here we see that we were created imago Deo. We were created imago Deo. And I'll tell you what that means now. If you go to your notes, the first uh, number one there says imago Deo is in his image. That's what Imago Deo means. In his image. And this is what we see from this passage in Genesis. In his image means this, that like God, humans are male and female. Male and female. And so you aren't a superior human because you're a man and and you were created first, and you're not inferior if you're a woman because you came from a rib from a man. No, what it says is that male and female, human, were created in God's image, and we have God's breath inside of us. You are created imago Deo. And like God, humans reign. God told humans to reign over the earth, and, and what's really neat, if you think about it, is we are like God in that way because we have dominion and rule over the earth, over the fish, and all over this world that we live in called earth. And now we're not supposed to abuse it, right? Uh, we're supposed to take care of it. We're supposed to be stewards of it, just like God gives us finances into our lives. And Will talked about that earlier with the offering. And we give back to God because really everything we get isn't ours necessarily. It's from God. So we just, we give a little back back to God, but we are stewards of the resources that God gives us. And God has blessed us with the earth. And so in the same way, we are stewards, custodians, basically, of this planet with basically a chain of command leading straight to God who is on his throne. So the first thing we see that humans, like God, are male and female. And secondly, we reign here on earth. And like God, number three, humans are moral, spiritual, and intellectual beings. Now, if you think about this, this really separates us from every other type of being on the planet. No other being is moral, spiritual, and intellectual. You know, once in a while, we'll take a look at certain animals, and I think my dog Jackson is very smart. He's a border collie. And so many times, border collies are smart dogs, but they're not moral. (laughs) They're instincts, right? Dogs have instinct. And some species of dogs are smarter than others, so there's a little bit of intellectual there, but it's, it's not the same. Us humans, we as humans, are moral, spiritual, and intellectual beings. It's what separates us from everything else. You are created Imago Deo. So that's number one. That's the first point. That's defining what Imago Deo is in his image. But here's where we run into a little bit of a struggle. When we get to number two, Imago Deo has been broken. Imago Deo has been broken. And this has been broken in several different ways. Number one, we see Imago Deo was broken by our sin. That's what the Bible tells us. And if we look to the Bible and we go to Romans 3.23, we read this. 
Romans 3.23. It's tough to say all of a sudden. Uh, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now that's inclusive. It's all. Every single person has fallen short of the glory of God. So we see that we have that sin, that all have sinned. And for some of us, Amago Deo was broken by the sins of others. By the sins of others. Maybe someone has used you. Maybe somebody has abused you. Maybe somebody has left you feeling worthless. Or maybe you just feel worthless like a piece of garbage. I've heard that before too. And so sometimes Imago Deo is broken because of the sins of others. Imago Deo has been broken in you. And for others of us, this Imago Deo that I'm talking about is broken by denying the Creator. Imago Deo has been broken in you by denying the Creator. And we see in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it says, People who suppress the truth know the truth about God because He has been made it obvious to them through what has been created. But in today's society, what we see is it's really easy to dismiss the idea of God because it seems like everybody around us believes people inclined to believing that theory then if it's mathematically impossible to even come about. There's a theologian, R.C. Sproul, and for those of you that maybe have walked with Jesus for quite some time may uh, be familiar with that name because he's been around for a few years now. But R.C. Sproul... Um, he's, he's, uh, R. C., uh, the theologian R.C. Sproul says that it isn't about intellectualism. It's about morality. And so it's not necessarily about the facts that we see because we already talked about it's mathematically impossible. And for some people, if you would sit down and explain that to them, they would be able to understand that with their minds. But it's not intellectual. It's a moral Thing that people are dealing with. And he goes on to say, people suppress the truth about God because they want to live in unbounded freedom. People want to live in unbounded freedom. So if you are no different than the monkeys, then there is no reason for moral restraint. That's what that mindset is permeating in our culture today. Sproul, he goes on to say this. He says that people are desperately trying to avoid answering two critical questions. The first one is, who is my creator? And then the second one is, what does he require of me? Who is my creator? And once that's answered, then what does he require of me? And if I want to avoid these questions, instead of wrestling with them and coming to those answers, the easiest way out is to say that there is no God. That's the easiest way, is just to deflect those 
questions and answers and say that there is no God. But the Bible says there is a God. And you are created in his image. You are created imago Deo. And so what we see here is we see that this unrestrained immorality, uh, and, and we look to the college campuses a lot of times, and I think you can... Uh, Go there with me just for a couple moments and, and think about college campuses. And many of you have gone to college. Uh, others of you, maybe if you didn't go to college, you have heard stories about college. But there is this unrestrained immorality that exists on college campuses. And, and I really believe it has and exists. This idea has root in, in the idea that the creator does not exist. And so students are living with what we call the unbounded freedom that R.C. Sproul talked about. And what does that unbounded freedom result in? Well, it results in a plethora of things, but I just have a few written down here in my notes. One is broken relationships. That's what unbounded freedom can translate to in your life and mine, is just broken relationships. And then secondly is unwanted pregnancies as well. That kind of goes hand in hand with broken relationships. Uh, STDs and STIs also, there's something else that happens and it's a ramification from that type of lifestyle. And, and also the, this one I think is, those are all bad, right? All, all those are bad. But this one really, I think, hits it right on the head. The inability to sustain long-term relationships the inability to sustain long-term relationships, that is a killer when, you're, when you deal with this unbounded freedom and anything goes and you just go from bed to bed to bed, relationship to relationship to relationship. What you're really training yourself to do is, is cancel those relationships and break relationships is what you're training yourself to do. I remember when I was a, a youth leader uh, at, at a previous church that we went to, I always used to tell the youth, um, you know what? I'm not saying dating's bad, okay? But I'll tell you this. What you're teaching yourself to do by dating in high school is you're teaching yourself how to break relationships. I go, so if you want to learn how to break relationships, well, then go ahead and, and date people throughout your high school life. That, that's awesome. What I told them in an alternative is hang out in groups of people, male and female, hang out in groups, do things together, have fun, make great relationships with each other, with the opposite sex or what have you. But don't become exclusive because you're teaching yourself how to break relationships. Because very, very few people that date somebody in ninth grade or eighth grade or seventh grade go on to marry them. Now, there's exceptions to the rule, okay? But for the vast majority of the human population, at that age, you're not willing or not ready to make a firm commitment. So what you're doing is you're teaching yourself how to break relationships. And that's exactly what this is talking about here as we take a look at the unbounded freedom that we see on college campuses. God never intended us to grapple with these different consequences, but it comes because of Imago Deo has been broken. Imago Deo has been broken. So God gives us and gave us a solution to this broken image. 
Number three, Imago Deo has been restored by Jesus. Imago Deo has been restored by Jesus. Listen to how the book of Hebrews describes Jesus. And and I'm reading out of the message. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 says this, By his Son God created the world in the beginning, and it will all belong to the Son at the end. This Son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. That's awesome. I like how the message just kind of draws out the imagery through words when we're talking about uh, this subject in particular. God's son, who perfectly mirrors God, came to earth to set everything right. Jesus came to set everything right, and God restored his image in us. Isn't that amazing? God restored his image in us. Let's go to Romans 8.29 out of the ESV. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Here we see that we are the, in the image of Jesus, which is a reflection of God. So we were created once again in God's image. That's how that Imago Deo was restored. God knew ahead of time, and this gets a little tricky, this little bit of theology. I'm not going to go into it very deeply, but God knew his foreknowledge understands who's going to accept Jesus and who's not. Because God doesn't see time like we see time, right? God is outside of time. We talked about that week one. God is outside of time. God sees everything at once. Blows my mind. I don't fully understand it, but I know it's true. And then So he knows that when you get into relationship with him, then that predestination thing kicks in and it takes place. And God has predestined those that love him for certain things. So that's where that foreknowledge and predestination all takes place. God has predestined that you are going to be conformed into the image of his son who perfectly mirrors God the Father. Amago Deo. That's what that all means. Jesus has restored your Imago Deo. So what's your story? Let's make it personal for, for a moment as we come to a close. What's your story? Do you feel like a, a worthless human being, even right now or maybe in the, in the recent past? Well, you're not. I'll tell you that right now. You're not worthless human being. You're not garbage. You're not any of those things. Because why? Because you are created in the image of God. You're created Imago Deo, and the breath of God is in your lungs and mine. You have value beyond what you can even think about. It blows my mind sometimes when I'm alone with God praying or worshiping, and some of these things come to my mind And it's just, it blows me away that I am made in the image of God. I have the breath of life in my lungs. Jesus chose to die on the cross for me. Blows me away. You have value beyond what you can imagine. And it's all because of who created you.
and who created me. We are Imago Deo, in his image. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you have created each one of us in your image. And I know that many times when we think about these things, it it just, it totally blows us away and it really humbles us to think that we are created in your image. As human beings, both male and female, that we humans were created in your image. And so as we're bowed in your presence and as we're reflecting in a moment of prayer, uh, I don't know where everybody's at today. God, you do. God, you are able to meet the needs of some 70 or 80 people at the very same time right now. And so, God, I pray that as we are bowed in your presence for this moment of reflection, that you would speak to our hearts Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds right now. And there might be some of us here, as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, that maybe have not accepted you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior of our lives. And so I always like to give us uh, a moment here at the end to consider that. So God, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of those that maybe a few minutes ago were far from you, but you're drawing them to you by your Holy Spirit. That's what that is. If you don't know, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to God the Father. And so if that's you, if you would say, I I admit I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to fix this broken relationship. Raise your hand. I'd like to remember you in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a few of us here today that need to pray this prayer. And like I say each week, it could be a recommitment, and that's okay. So I'm just going to pray this prayer over us. Pray this with me. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I admit I am a sinner, God, and I need a Savior. And Jesus, you are that Savior. I believe now as I accept you as my Lord and Savior and as I make you the leader of the boss, the Savior of my life, I believe that you died on the cross personally for me, for my sins. And you rose from that grave three days later, victorious over death, and over sin. I accept it. I believe it. And now I pray that as I go forward, you would order my steps. Change me from the inside out. I need to learn a lot about you. I need to learn what it means to be in this new relationship with you. And so I commit myself to reading your word. I commit myself to gathering around those that know you, fellow believers that will encourage me and teach me and help me along this road. And I also commit to reaching out to those that are around me that are still in darkness and don't know who you are. Help me to do all of these things, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to 
do one more thing. I just want to pray over you. If you have a prayer need in your life, just raise your hand. And, and as you see the hands going around, if you're behind somebody and, and you see that or next to somebody, just, just lay a hand on their shoulder as we go to the Lord in prayer. And this is just one way that we can come together as a, as a, a body of believers, so to speak, and just kind of pray for each other. And if you see somebody with their hand up that doesn't have a, a hand on their shoulder, move around and, and put your hand on their shoulder. I know I'm going to lift up Eddie to you right now. I know many of you know Kitty and Eddie. They've been a part of this fellowship for quite a while. And Eddie now is recuperating at Park Place. And uh, there is uh, a possibility for another surgery in his future. So we're going to pray that the Lord heals Eddie. And, uh, and I don't know if you have a physical ailment or an emotional thing that you're going through or a situation. Whatever it is, God knows what it is. And we're just going to go to the Lord in prayer for you. Father God, I just lift up each one of these needs to you, God. Lord, you know each one of us so deeply, intimately, and personally. You know what these raised hands represent. And so as we rally around these people and just agree with them in prayer, God, I pray that you will be the healer in those lives that need healing. We lift up Eddie to you right now, God, and we pray for him. Lord, we pray for a, a, a miraculous healing. Lord, you've brought Kitty and Eddie so far, but it just kind of seems like they just continue to lose traction at different times and as the weeks and the months go by. But God, you have good things for them. You have a future and a hope for them. And now we just lift lift up Eddie to you right now in Park Place as he's recuperating, God. Heal him, I pray. And Lord, for those of us that are dealing with maybe a financial burden, God, I pray that as we give back to you, as we are obedient and give to you what you've given to us, God, I, I just pray that uh, a miraculous financial blessing may take place. God, you can do that at any time, Lord. You can do it at any time. So we pray for that. God, maybe some of us are struggling emotionally with past hurts, and, and we're Christians and we serve you and we love you, Jesus. But boy, a lot of times the, the past just keeps coming back and messing with us. God, I, I pray for those individuals right now. I pray that they would understand and know the joy and the peace that comes only from you. And God, regardless of where we're at in life right now, the situation we're going through, you are on the throne. You are still in control. We can trust in you and we can have faith in you leading and guiding and shaping our lives. And so I pray for that right now, for faith to be restored, for joy to be restored in our lives. God, we don't have answers many times. We don't know why, but we know that all things, they work out for the good and the benefit of us as we serve you with our lives as we serve you, God, and as we let you lead us by your Holy Spirit, regardless of what comes into our lives, we know it will work out good because your word says it will. And we stand on that promise. And we thank you for that promise here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.